week. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. At this point uh, in the book of Acts, Jesus has already given his life as a ransom for many. He has already uh, given himself to be crucified on the cross to pay for the sins of the world. He has already risen from the grave on the third day. He has now spent uh, about 40 days um, kind of appearing to the apostles and, and instructing them. And what we read right here in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, uh, is his final words recorded in Acts before he ascends back up to heaven where he now uh, bodily resides, the, the, the God-man Jesus Christ, our Savior. Uh, but yeah, these as just final words before his ascension are vitally important for us to understand. So if, if you've gotten there in your Bible, I'm going to read for you now uh, Acts 1.8. It's also on the screen if you don't have a Bible. Acts 1.8, Jesus says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. That is God's word for us today. I'll, I'll just pray even now. Father God, use this short verse and how we uh, understand its place in Scripture to inform us now for how we should live and why we should desire it and uh, just the wonderful plan that you have, God. And I pray also uh, that if anyone here today has not yet trusted in your Son in this salvation, uh, Lord, that you would do that work today in their hearts. God, open uh, the doors of salvation for them, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So we have, again, spent the last about six weeks or so trying to get God's vision for the church. And, and, and largely, we narrowed uh, down the mechanics of what a healthy church should do, a healthy Great Commission community, we've called it. Um, we, we, we saw how this, uh, this new church, this baby church that, that was formed there on the day of Pentecost in, in Acts chapter 2, uh, they, they devoted themselves mainly to two things. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which for us is the word of God, the message of Christ Jesus and, and all that God has revealed. They devoted themselves to God's word, to the Bible, and they devoted themselves to the fellowship. That is, having a share in one another's lives, having a share uh, in the growth of others, having a share in the practical needs of one another, and, and being partners, you might say, in ministry. This is all tied in that word fellowship that the early church was tied, uh, or was devoted to, rather. But, but here's a question that I have for uh, us today, um, and it'll become apparent why I bring this up in just a moment. What if a church can rightly go through the motions of church, of what a church should do, but miss the mission of the church? The reason the church, God's people on this earth, exist. What if you can be devoted to God's word and devoted to the fellowship, and yet 
miss the reason that we exist, the purpose for which God has given us on this earth. Well, I bring this up because, you know, we've been studying this, this church in, uh, of uh, Jerusalem here in the book of Acts, and, and this is actually, it seems, exactly what happened to them. God was doing an amazing work. They, they were devoting themselves to God's word. They were devoting themselves to the fellowship, and God was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved in Jerusalem. And those are key words right there. People were being saved. People were being built up and, and growing in Christ in Jerusalem. But they were missing the full mission that God had given them. And uh, my friend Taylor preached last week, and he, he brought this up. Look at what happened to the Acts church uh, just in Acts chapter 8. So the, the church is born in Acts chapter 2. Uh, not much time passes and you get to Acts chapter 8, and this is what it says. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. Whoa. I mean, so by the way, on, on Pentecost, 3,000 were added that day. Later, we see it come up to, to 5,000. And so you have 5,000 Christians, and a persecution comes against the church. Stephen just died in the last chapter. He was stoned to death, uh, a Christian. And uh, so this persecution uh, breaks out against the church, and all the believers are scattered out of Jerusalem. And, And so we could look at that and say, why would God allow that to happen? Weren't they doing good? They were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were devoting themselves to fellowship. Day by day were being added those who were, who were being saved. Why would God allow persecution to come and them to be scattered when they were so apparently healthy? Well, we see the answer in verse 4. So that was verse 1. Verse 4, just three verses later, says this. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. You catch that? They, they, they were, yes, they were healthy. They, they were uh, studying God's word. They were discipling. They were even reaching people in Jerusalem. But when God scattered them out, allows them to be scattered out, they went about preaching the word. And he, here's what's going on. They had a very healthy church. They even had a very fruitful church But it was only fruitful for Jerusalem, for their city, where they lived, and that was not God's mission for the church. Just for them to be a local geographic entity, certainly not just to the Jews, to the Israelites. And so this is going to be our first point, because this is, we have the exact same mission. We have the exact same mission um, as they had, and so we see this is the, the first point I want to get, give you. Number one, the Great Commission is to reach the nations, not just your neighbors. The Great Commission is to reach the nations. I mean, quoting Matthew 28, the Great Commission, all nations. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations to reach the nations, not just your neighbors. And, and Jesus had repeated this literally right before he left the earth. Uh, Acts 1.8, he says this, but you will receive power... When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. 
got it. They, they were doing that part really well. They were being his witnesses in Jerusalem. People were hearing about this amazing gospel of salvation in Jesus Christ. But that wasn't the end of the mission. You will be, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea. So that's the, the larger region. And Samaria, friend or foe, Samaria, foe. That, that was their, their enemies. These weren't the easy people to reach. These weren't the people who would be super receptive to uh, this uh, ideology that came out of the Jews. Samaria were their, their sworn enemies. And then one step further, which is a big step, and to the end of the earth. Someone tell me, where, where is the end of the earth exactly? Is it on your map? <laughs> it's not on mine. Like, that's the idea. Like, there is no such thing as, like, the end of the earth, unless you're a flat earther, then I guess there's an end. But whatever. Um, <laughs> on my map, um, there, there is no end. Like, the end of the earth is just everywhere on the earth. That means the mission of God is not just to our neighbors, not just to our Jerusalem, if you will, it is to the nations. It is a global gospel. It is a global mission that the church has. This is our purpose for existence, to be his witnesses. Witnesses of what Christ Jesus has done, empowered by the Holy Spirit to the end of the earth. That is the mission. We saw, again, you know, with the Acts Church, they, they like understood the mechanics. Yes, we dig into God's word. We fellowship. We build up one another. We reach our neighbors. But because they didn't fully understand the scope of the mission, they had to be scattered. A persecution came upon them. They were scattered, and they go out sharing the gospel. And you can read in, in, in Acts 8, like, people, more, people from these other places are trusting in Jesus. I, I do want to point out, though, that um, that's, that's not the end of the book of Acts. Uh, Acts is... It's 28 chapters long, and the large majority of the rest of it is following the faithful, obedient mission efforts of the church. Like, it seems God kind of did this, and they're like, oh, we weren't supposed to just be staying in Jerusalem. Like, oh, our mission was bigger. And so we see things like this. Paul says in uh, Acts chapter 13, verse 47, he says to people, uh, for so the Lord has commanded us. That's the church, the, the Christians. So the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles. That's all non-Jews, by the way. I've made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation, where? To the ends of the earth. The church was, was finally getting it. At least some of them, you know. Uh, you, have, you have Peter going to Cornelius, a, a Gentile man. And you have Paul, who literally sees his missionary uh, or his whole calling on life is to go to the ends of the earth where Christ's name has not been named. And when I say name, not just the word Jesus, you know, uh, not just the name Jesus, like, but what Jesus did. Like where people didn't know about what Jesus did, about this salvation, he understood that that was the church's mission. And so he went and was actually doing it. And so what I want to do today, as we, I, I want us, to be devoted to God's word. I want us to be devoted to fellowship, to having a share in one another's lives, to care for one another, to, to, to reach out to our community, and we'll get there. But we don't 
want to be like the Jerusalem church. We don't want for God to have to kick us out for us to go to the nations. Uh, I, I want us to be more like Paul, understanding our mission, than like the uh, early Jerusalem church there. And I want to do this by giving you three biblical reasons why you and I should be about the global Great Commission. That is, to all nations, not just our neighbors. And so I'll give you three reasons why it matters that, that people in, on every continent, all tribes, nations, tongues, languages, hear this gospel of Jesus Christ. So here's the first one I want to give you. And I'm going to try to move quickly. Like we've got a, a bit, good bit of information here, but I, I hope it will uh, carry some weight by the amount of uh, evidence we have here that this is what we should be about. The first reason we should be about this is the global compassion of God. What I mean by that is God in the book of Acts did not just have compassion on the people in Jerusalem wanting them to be saved. God did not just have compassion even on just the Jews. He wanted the Gentiles, all peoples, to receive this salvation. He wanted literally all over the globe, wherever there is a group of people, an identifiable group of people, he wanted there to be saved people because God is compassionate. He has a global compassion. We, I mean, see that kind of obviously in Acts 1-8. They're to go as his witnesses to the ends of the earth, and God is so serious about this that he is sending his Holy Spirit, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and then you will be my witnesses, not just to Jerusalem, but to the ends of the earth. There's a, a compassionate desire there for people to the ends of the earth to receive this salvation. Let me ask you, every person who has been born into this world uh, has sin. We are all born with a sin nature that is bent away from honoring God, away from worshiping God, away from obeying God. So we're not only born with that nature, though, we then agree with our sin nature by then disregarding God and disobeying God, by, by seeking our own way. The, the Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. That's me, you, and that's people all over the globe. And the Bible clearly teaches that for those who are at enmity with God, that are enemies with God, who have rebelled against him, we all deserve the punishment of God for, for sinning against an infinitely holy, glorious God, our creator. We all deserve his punishment. And so even in the fact that like Jesus Christ is, is a thing, that God the Son took on flesh to be the savior of the world, shows his compassion because God did not leave us in what we deserve. And, I, and that's, that's a global reality. I want to I just show you this in, in a couple passages. First uh, Timothy 2 uh, verses 4 and 5, it says this about God. Hear this. God desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all. 
I mean, that passage is just oozing with the compassion of God. Though we all deserve the wrath of God, though all people everywhere deserve the wrath of God, God desires that all people be saved. There is only one way for that salvation, and Jesus made that way. God the Son took on flesh as the man Jesus Christ, and he gave himself as a ransom that is paying the payment that we owed, the punishment for our sin, so that we could be saved. All people, not just people in Jerusalem, not just people in Ringgold, but to the ends of the earth. I mean, you guys know, you know these passages, like uh, even if you have never studied the Bible, you, you know uh, this verse, John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, eternal perishing, but would have eternal life. Then he goes on to say this, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. People are so offended right now by Jesus. Jesus makes me feel bad. No, Jesus did not come to condemn you. He came to save you. You are already in trouble. Jesus isn't the one getting you in trouble. He's the one getting you out of trouble. Why? Because of the global compassion of God. By the way, we are recipients of the global compassion of God. You get that? We're not, I'm not a Jew. I, I am a Gentile. I don't live in Jerusalem. I've been there one time. Like, the fact that I am a Christian, that you are a Christian today, is owing to the global compassion of God rather than a narrow, closed-in, just, I'll just save a few. And so we think about these things. Um, I, I won't even worry about the rest. We, we think about these things. God, his heart bleeds, his heart aches for those who, who are lost in their sin, even though they've rebelled against him, not us, not me and you. They've rebelled against God. They've turned their back on God. They have dishonored God. And yet God says, I have compassion on them. I want to show them mercy, but that mercy can only be given through Jesus Christ. And so they need to know about my son, Jesus. They need to know what he did on the cross. They need to know that he defeated sin and death by rising from the grave. They need to know that this salvation cannot be earned by our works, by our cleaning ourselves up, but can only be received as a gift from God by trusting in Jesus. We, we turn away from our sin and ourselves and we just cling to Christ. That's all we got. It's our only hope, and that's the hope of the whole world. This is what God desires. It is his compassion, and it should be our compassion as well. We are his children. We should share God's desire. We should share God's heart. That is why we should be about the nations, not just our neighbors. Now, I think that's a pretty good reason, and I'm, I told you I have three reasons. I think all of these overlap, uh, but I'm hoping they'll hit you in different ways uh, the third reason is going to be the most important, by the way, but we're, so we're just kind of building to that. But the next one I want to show you is this. Because of God's overflowing compassion for, for peoples everywhere, all over the globe, that they not receive their deserved uh, punishment, but yet receive salvation, because of that, God gave the global command. The global command of God. 
what I mean is Jesus, when he said, okay, you're going to be my witnesses, he said, you're going to do it where? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And that was kind of more a promise, like you will be my witnesses, like this is going to happen. But we see it in command form in Matthew 28, 18. It's up there on the screen. And Jesus said to them, all authority, that means I give a command, you should obey it. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Have you ever noticed that Jesus' command Like the king of kings and lord of lords gave a command and it was not ambiguous. Go therefore and make disciples of whoever you happen to feel comfortable enough sharing the gospel with. No, he he didn't say that. Go therefore and make disciples of those who are close to you and easily accessible. No, he did not say that. Go and make disciples of those who you think will be receptive to the gospel and won't be hostile to it. No, he did not say that. What he says is, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. The ones near, the ones far, the the, the ones who will be receptive and peaceable, and those who will reject you and kill you. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. That is the command of Christ. And, and, you know, when, when you receive Christ... Uh, his salvation, you are receiving Christ and saying, you are my Savior and my Lord. Like, that's kind of our, our language. We, we understand that. Like, that, that when, when we come into Christ's family, we are coming under his kingship. He is our Lord. What is it to call Jesus our Lord and then say, well, you did a command, but I don't feel like it? That's actually not my words. That's Jesus' words. I, I have it up there on the screen Jesus said that in Luke 6, 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I tell you? It's kind of like a, well, I don't know. (laughs) I do. I call you Lord, which literally means master, kurios. It's the same word for master. Like, you you call me master, but you don't actually do what I tell you. Like, what's going on there? And so we Christians, I just just challenge us. We, we, We say, he's my Savior and my Lord, and, and I would say, like, is he? Are, are we doing what he's told us to do? Or, or are, we, are we just about here, just about us, just about our comfort, our pleasure, our possessions? Now, I do want to say something, and I, I think I put this in your notes, because uh, I just want to make it clear before we keep going, and I'll make it cl- more clear as we go along. Um, I don't know if I did uh, what I got there. Oops. So here's the point I want to give you. Not all, all Christians, not all Christians should go to the nations, but every Christian should be about reaching the nations. I I want to make that clear right now, because like, go therefore and make disciples, well, I must be disobedient unless I literally get in a plane and fly across the pond and go to an unreached people group. That is not what I'm saying, and that's not what Jesus was saying, and it'll become more clear here in a little bit. But please understand that I'm not necessarily saying you have to go, but we must be about reaching the nations even if we don't go. I've heard it put this way. You are either, you're praying and giving, or you're going, or you're disobedient. 
Like those, those are kind of our, our, our options. We can be disobedient to the command of, of God, of Jesus here, or we can go, or at the very least, if he's called us to stay, we need to be praying, we need to be supporting, we need to be giving to fund this global mission of God. Not that he needs our resources, by the way, but it is a, an offering of him. Where, where, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If we care about this, we want to obey his commands, we will be about this great commission. But I, I want to say this, though. You say, oh, the commands of God. Like, that just sounds like such a drudgery. We have to obey him. It's all duty, duty, duty. I must do this, must not do that. I want you to remember this. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And with the gospel of Jesus Christ, obedience is not burdensome. Obedience is always for your good and for your joy. Always. When it's done rightly, truly done in faith in Jesus, it is not burdensome. I'll just list for you a couple things here. 1 John 5, 3, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 and 29, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Okay, all you people, you're working really hard right now. Come to me, all who, you, who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. So there's work to be done. It's a, a yoke. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And one of my favorite verses, if you've been going here long, you've heard the, these verses a lot. John 15, verses 10 and 11, Jesus said this, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Verse 11, this is so important. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. We, we often conceive of God as this just tyrannical dictator that just wants people to do what he wants. It's pointless. But what we see here is that obedience to God is actually for our good that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be full. And so I want to say this to you. No matter what obedience to, to, to God's command costs you, it will never rob you. Never. It will never be a robbery from you. You will not be suffering loss. Whatever you sacrifice will be repaid multiple times over in hope and joy and peace and even God's provision right here and right now and a thousand times over in the life to come. You will not have sacrificed anything. Never. If obedience means time and prayer for the nations, it is for your joy. If obedience costs you money to support uh, global missions, it is for your joy. If obedience leads you to the mission field, you leave your home, your family, your job, you got to learn a new language, and you're going out into a new culture, it is for your joy. If obedience costs your life, it is for your joy. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That yes, free salvation, but he is our Savior and our Lord but obedience to him is good. It's not burdensome. It's actually good for us as well as the glory of God. This is amazing. And speaking of the glory 
of God. That is where we turn next. The third and most important reason that we should be about global missions to the nations, not just our neighbors, is the global glory of God. The global glory of God. That is, people everywhere, every nation, tribe, tongue, knowing that God is glorious and worshiping him as glorious through Jesus Christ. This is what we desire. God has always been, is right now, and always will be supremely glorious. This is not just some voted in position that, that, that God's like, oh cool, now I'm God. No, God is God and there is no other. He is the one who created the heavens and the earth and he did it by speaking it into existence. Hundreds of trillions of light years of, of universes exploded into existence at his very command. Life sprang up on this earth through God's command. And then God, we, we understand from uh, Genesis 1 and 2, when it came to mankind, he did something special. He made man from the dust of the earth. And it says something even more important there in Genesis 1, 27 and 28. God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So humans are created in God's image. We are image bearers. We are little statues of God, living statues of God on this earth to reflect his glory. And then look what it says in the very next verse. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. This is how God created things. Global glory of God everywhere. God is supremely glorious, supremely beautiful, supremely to be treasured. And God created humans from the beginning to reflect his glory, to worship him, to trust him, to obey him, to enjoy him. And they were to be fruitful and multiply. That means reproduction and spread all over the earth, covering the earth with God's global glory. That's how the story began, but that's not what happened, we know. We know that in, in chapter 3 of Genesis, our first parents, Adam and Eve, fell short of the glory of God. They did not reflect the glory of God. They did not honor the glory of God. They did not trust and enjoy the glory of God the way they should. They did not obey God. They took of the tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, the one tree God told them not to eat of. They said, we will be like God, as Satan told us. Like this serpent says that this will be good for us, so we're going to do it, um, even though God said it would not be. He said that if we eat it, we will surely die. And so Adam and Eve that day fell from reflecting the glory of God and all of us with them. We inherit their sin nature, we agree with their sin nature, and we all deserve their death, and we do not reflect the glory of God on this earth the way we were created to do. The God who is worthy of all honor and all glory and power and praise, we fail to reflect his awesome, supreme glory. But in Christ Jesus, as we've already seen, God did not leave us in that state. Because God not only saves us through Jesus, he recreates us through Jesus. We, we saw this uh, in the passage last week 
2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 18, he says there, Paul says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is, if you've trusted in Christ as your Savior and your Lord, he is a new creation. That's talking about restoring what was lost in sin because we rejected God's glory. He is a new creation. Well, what does that look like? The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So you think about that. We were created to glorify God, to to reflect and enjoy him forever, yet we failed to. But in Christ, we are a new creation, now able to reflect. And so he says, I've reconciled you to myself, to to your original position and, and relationship. Now go spread that. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He goes on to say that we are ambassadors for Christ Jesus. God making his appeal through us be reconciled to God. This is God's mission that his glory cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. Why? Because he is worthy. Why? Because he is supremely glorious. He is to be treasured above all else. And right now, right now, that is not happening in a large majority of the world. I mean, not happening at all. You can get on uh, the Joshua Project, and I'll I'll show you some uh, verses of that a little later. And they, they estimate that there are about 17,000, a little more than 17,000 people groups in the world. 7,000 of those are unreached. 7,000 people groups representing 3.4 billion people have zero access to the gospel. They don't have Christians there. I mean, like, you know, maybe one or two amongst millions and millions of people. They don't have Christians there. They don't have Bibles floating around. They don't have people going around doing gospel presentations. They don't have churches at every corner like we do. Their parents aren't telling them about Christ. If they hear about Jesus, it's only that he's a prophet and not truly God and that his salvation. I mean, they cannot believe in this gospel because they don't know this gospel. 3.4 billion people in 7,000 people groups right now, today, are not glorifying this God. I wonder how much that is us not obeying the command of God or sharing the compassion of God for 3.4 billion people who will face their just punishment. They deserve it. But if we have compassion like God, we want them to know the truth about Jesus. We want them to know that there is a Savior who loves them and died for them. We don't want them to face eternal torment. We want to at least give them the chance to trust in this Savior. This is what drives us to not just reach our neighbors, but to to go to the nations. The global glory of God, the global command of God, the global compassion of God should drive us to care Because God does. This is his plan. And I want to tell you this. God's not up there wrenching his hand saying, oh, I hope they go to all peoples and make disciples. I don't know. This is a vision. Yep. This is a vision uh, John has in the book of Revelation of the future, of the way things will be. And this is amazing. Revelation 7, 9 to 10. 
he says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne, that's the throne of God, and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, that's the righteousness of Christ, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. This is going to happen. The, the compassion of God will be satisfied as he reaches people from all tribes, nations, and tongues. The, the command of God will be obeyed enough that people of all these people groups will be reached and the glory of God will cover this earth like the waters cover the sea. You say, well, cool, then God's got it. Like, it's going to happen. So I can just sit back and relax. Like, we can turn church into a country club. That's all about us. No. Romans uh, <clears throat> 13, or sorry, Romans 10, Paul anticipates that line of thinking. That because God is sovereign, because God will surely accomplish what he set out to do, that we don't have to do anything. But he says this, Romans 10, 13 through 14. He says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Well, that's really good news. This is a salvation available for all. Any who call on him, any who trust in him will be saved. Verse 14, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard and how are they to hear without someone preaching? Understand this. God is going to accomplish this global, glorious rescue mission. God is going to accomplish it. But he will not do it apart from his church, his body, his bride, his ambassadors going out. He says, I'm going to do this through you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you, church, will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. I'm going to accomplish this glorious rescue mission, and I'm going to do it through weak, frail people like you, through my power. This is it. This is where we come in. We say, I couldn't possibly go to the nations. I'm just me. I just grew up in a small town, a normal family and stuff. I didn't, I'm not Billy Graham's son, you know, uh, Hudson Taylor. I'm not related. Like, it doesn't matter. Weak vessels is God's business. He can use us. He can use us to spread his global compassion and to spread his global glory. He has made us his ambassadors, God making his appeal through us. Friends, I, I want to be clear here. I, I'm going to transition in just a moment to talking about the local church. But if right now you're feeling a tug on your heart that maybe it's me. Maybe I, I, I should go. And I think we all should ask that question. God, should I go? Like Jesus commanded, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Your compassion is for all nations. We want your glory to be over all nations. Should I go and be a part of that? Should I go to a, a difficult place to reach the nations if that's you i want to urge you remember his commands aren't burdensome god will not call you to do anything that is not also good for you i'm not telling you it'll be comfortable i'm not telling you it'll be easy i'm not even saying you won't lose your life in the process but i'm telling you it will be the most glorious most 
beautiful thing you ever do. If that is what God is calling you to do, I, I just ask you just submit to at least investigating it. To, to continuing to pray about it, to talking about it with your spouse, talking about it with your parents, talking about it with trusted people. Come talk about it with me. Come talk about it with one of the elders. At least commit to investigating because we, this local church, must be about the nations, not just our neighbors. And you are a member of this body. Not all of you. I understand some of you are visitors, but the body of Christ. God's calling you. Do not neglect his call. Now, I, I do want to transition. I, I, I'll be relatively quick here. But we've just learned that God's mission is to the nations, not just our neighbors. We've just learned from the Acts Church that it's not enough to just devote ourselves to God's word in the fellowship and then to be, you know, sharing the gospel with those around us. That it's, it's not enough. And so we say, well, does local church even matter then? Does it even matter that I evangelize here, share the gospel here? Does it even matter that I build up, strengthen disciples here? If, if all that matters is missions, if all that matters is these unreached peoples, then why should I care about here and now at this place? Here, here's what I, I want to show you, and I, I'm trying to be careful with this. Number two, local evangelism and discipleship must not be an excuse. It must not be an excuse for you to not go if God's calling you to go, but it is essential. Don't, 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 don't let what's going on here, the lost people here, the people who still need to be grown in their faith here, don't let that be an excuse for you not to go. But if God calls you to stay, it will not be a wasted life. It will be a God-glorifying, you-satisfying, others-helping life if you still live as an ambassador. If wherever God has you, whether it be here or somewhere in Africa, like wherever God has you, if you live as his ambassadors, if you are making disciples and building up disciples wherever you are, it will not be a wasted life. Because yes, international missions to the ends of the earth is essential. That is the direct command of God. But it is also essential what we are doing right here, right now, the local church. It is essential. And so I, I want to show you why that is. I mean, kind of if you think about it, these things that we've already talked about, the, the, the compassion of God, the command of God, the glory of God, like those are things that we want happening right here. That's, that's one thing. I, I don't even have it in your notes, but like that just makes sense. That like if God doesn't desire any uh, to, 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 to uh, die or face his punishment, but for all to be saved, like, then that means right here. That means your family members. That means your neighbors. That means your coworkers. If you've been commanded to go and make disciples, that means your family members and your neighbors. You want God to be glorified right here. So that is true. But, but here's something I, I want to show you that I think will be somewhat shocking. It, it was for me as I thought through this. Here's the first reason what we are doing here matters. What you do here, your engagement here matters. That's this. First, without evangelism and discipleship, Ringgold will become unreached. Ringgold, where we are right now, Ringgold, Chattanooga, wherever you're from, will become an unreached people group if we, the church, the local church, do not continue in 
evangelism, sharing our faith, sharing the gospel of, of Christ, and building up disciples. Ringgold will become unreached. You say, how do you know that? That, that seems uh, a, a bit crazy to say. Well, let me, let me show you. I, I, I hope this works. So this is the Joshua Project that I told you about. They track where reached people groups are. That is people who, doesn't mean everyone's saved, but the green on, on the screen there, the green is where people have very good access to the gospel. There are churches, church communities, and people are actively sharing their faith and, and making disciples. That's the green. We, we fall in a green uh, there. The yellow means there is barely a Christian presence. Like it's there, it's, it's notable, but, but it's not strong. It's either just come there, like the, the gospel's come and it's starting to build up, or it is on its way out in a yellow zone. I circled up on the screen Europe and uh, kind of northern um, Africa there. Think back through world history, like where, where Christendom, like literally we have a word Christendom that is like a political Christianity was in Europe. And yet you look at most of Europe there has turned yellow and some of it's red and then you have northern Africa there red. I mean, that means that the large majority of people, even in the yellow, will be born, live, and die without ever hearing a clear explanation of how they can be reconciled with God and not receive eternal punishment and live for the glory of God now. I mean, the red means there's almost no chance they will hear the gospel. These are places where, where, where Christendom began. Like, we're still riding just slightly on the coattails of Christendom. It came out of Europe that is now yellow. Everyone knows that we follow the trends of Europe. You know that, right? Like the clothes we wear, the, 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 the things that we do and stuff. Like, and that is true religiously as well. Like we're, we're like maybe 50 years behind Europe and we've been, they, they've been yellow for a while now. It will not be long before America turns yellow if we don't do something about it. Um, but you say, okay, well, that's cool, Europe. I want, I want to show you something more startling. Anyone recognize that? You look at the, the maps in your Bible, and you probably recognize that landscape. Um, and you look, I want you to see how much red and yellow there is. No green, red and yellow. And so I want to show you what's really startling here. I, I put some, some uh, landmarks on there. Those are approximate. I try to use other maps. Uh, the blue star, it's the Star of David, there on the bottom with the blue arrow, that is Jerusalem. I mean, get this. This is where Jesus lived. Well, he's like uh, all, all over, but this is where he was put to death on a cross. This is where he rose from the dead. This is where he gave the great commission to go make disciples of all nations. This is where Pentecost happened, where he poured out his Holy Spirit and 3,000 were saved in one day. Then another sermon later, it's up to 5,000 and day by day they're growing. That's Jerusalem. What color is it? Oh, not the star, but the, the city. It's red. It is an unreached people group. All, all th I mean, there are different peoples, by the way, different people groups there. Jerusalem is considered unreached. You look, uh, the, the black line there is pointing to Antioch. Does anyone know what happened in Antioch in, in, the, in the book of Acts? Paul was sent and, or commissioned and sent as a missionary from Antioch. It is red. The church in Antioch would now be uh, statistically 
non-existent right now, that people will live, die, never hear the gospel of Jesus Christ in that place. The uh, orange arrow, that's uh, modern-day Turkey there. That is where you have places like Colossae, the book to the Colossians. It's where you have Philippi, uh, that's Ephesus, um, and, and several others of the churches that are written to in the book of Revelation. All of it now read. This is where we inherited Christianity from, like literally where it happened. And it is all now unreached. I'm not saying there are zero missionary efforts there. I have friends living in Turkey right now um, as missionaries. Um, But I want you to understand this. If we, the church right here in Ringgold, are not taking evangelism and discipleship seriously, I don't know how many generations it will take, but we will become yellow, a nominal presence, a small presence, and then we will turn red. It it will happen if God's people do not take his command seriously right here. If we don't live as ambassadors wherever God has us, it will become an unreached people group. I don't know if it would be our grandkids. I I don't know what. But this, this is where it would be. Here's the second thing I want to point out. Secondly, without strong local churches, you won't have strong global missionaries. It won't happen. It is through the local church that that, uh, missionaries are equipped. We see that in Acts, by the way. They they were devoting themselves to, to, to God's word and to the fellowship. When they're scattered, when a persecution comes upon them, what do they do? They go out and preach the word and make more disciples. They were equipped in Jerusalem, their church in Jerusalem. Yes, they should have been sending out uh, missionaries, but once they were scattered and went, they were equipped because they had been in the local church being built up. Missionaries are sanctified in the local church. That's just a fancy word for made to be more like Christ, like not, not giving into worldliness and sin, but, but living in righteousness and, and goodness. You think about it, if, if, if you are, you know, you're newly saved and you're still, you have all these patterns of sin and you're still, you know, so drawn to the world. If you go to another culture, do you think you're just all of a sudden going to be cleaned up? No, that's not the way it works. Your sin will follow you. You still got a lot of work to do. And that's what God has given us one another to do. To, to, to sharpen, to help one another uh, be cleaned up by the gospel of grace. This happens in the church so that when we go, when we send missionaries, they don't make God look foolish by living just like the world around them. This, by the way, does happen still, uh, that, that missionaries go and then they live just like or worse than the world around them. And it does make a mockery of God. Uh, and finally there, we have missionaries are sent from the local church. Like, this is generally where it happens. Like, not just in this room, the big gathering. It could be in a small group setting. It could be in a one-on-one conversation. But this is generally how missionaries are sent. They're being built up week in, week out to love the glory of God, to grow in the compassion that God has for the lost, and to desire to gladly obey the commands of God. And, 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 and all of a sudden it dawns on them one day, I think God's calling me to go. And so they start talking about it with people. They, they talk about it with their pastors and their leaders And that's ultimately where they're sent uh, from, how how they are sent. And so if we, excuse me, if we want 
to accomplish, be a part of accomplishing God's global great commission, we must be a strong, healthy, local church. Otherwise, we will become an unreached people group needing missionaries to come here. And we will not be sending out strong missionaries if we are not a strong church here. I can promise you that no one has ever, no, I I won't say that, no one has ever done a good job going on the mission field that wasn't already sowing seed uh, in the area they were. They were already going out and engaging people. They were already going out and and making disciples. They were already uh, training up people. Like, we, we need a strong local church. We need to give ourselves to this for the sake of the nations. And so I just, again, want to say to you, like, if, if you know for sure, without beyond a shadow of doubt, God's calling you to be here, don't feel like you're a lesser Christian or anything like that. It is a, essential that strong, committed Christians stay here, continue making disciples, continue building up the church. It is essential. But there are some whom God, I believe, is calling to go, to work uh, to, to, to learn languages, to learn cultures, to raise support, and to go and make disciples of all nations. I will finish with this verse, Romans 10. I, I read it a moment ago, but I, did, I, I left off the last verse until now, thinking about how the local church is important because we, we, we equip, we sanctify, and we send missionaries, and, and maybe you're one of them. So I'll finish with this verse, Romans 10. 13 to 15, for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Beautiful news. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of of those who preach the good news, the good news of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we are so glad to hear about this global great commission, your saving, your redeeming work among rebellious humanity. God, we are so thankful that we right here, right now, are recipients of your compassion We're thankful that over time you have sent missionaries and spread your gospel and it came to us that someone shared the gospel with us. God, we're thankful that your compassion made us reconciled to you. God, we're thankful, thankful that people obeyed your command to go, to make disciples so that we could come into your family. And God, we are thankful to be a part of your global glory. You are worthy. You are satisfying. You are beautiful, God. And we are thankful that your glory has a presence here through us. But God, we want that glory to spread. We do want it to spread through our families and through our neighborhoods and at our work, but also to the ends of the earth. God, our work is not finished. We cannot be complacent until your glory covers this earth like the waters cover the sea. We desire it because you desire it. We desire it because you are worthy. We desire it because it will be beautiful. So God, would you lead us today to recognize where we fit in to your plan, to your great commission, God. 
God, those who you're calling, laying on their heart right now to go, I pray that they would, again, just listen to you, God. Not, Not shrug it off, not be afraid that you're trying to hurt them, God. And Lord, those of us who who you are calling to stay, make us laborers in the fields here, not lazy people sitting on the sidelines. Oh God, obedience is good. Your compassion is good. Your glory is good. And we want to be a part of it. This we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you please stand and join me as we close out? Um, This is a, a